start now. You know, you truly know what you want to do. Stop listening to everything else, including those limiting beliefs in your own head. Start now. Understand it's not going to be easy. You're, you're going to jump and you're going to fall on your face more times than not. But continue through and through until you do find the success. Welcome to the Driven Young Podcast with Byron Dempsey, dedicated to educating and inspiring the younger generation around entrepreneurship and practical life skills we aren't taught in school. Created for young people who seek direction in establishing their goals and passions. This podcast provides a platform for discussing the steps taken by professionals in their field related to handling finances, making money online, starting a business, growing a network, and much more. And now your host, Byron Dempsey. Welcome back to the Driven Young Podcast. This podcast has been blowing up lately, so if you're new, welcome. Today's conversation is very exciting. It is super relevant for younger people regarding chasing your dream, different options coming out of high school, what to do if you don't enjoy your degree, the power of storytelling, and much more. With over 15 years in the corporate world, leading, training, and developing leaders, at the height of his career, overseeing five states in the USA with 293 locations under his leadership, today's guest, John Bourgeois, decided to leave the corporate world. After a decade of dreaming, John decided to stop making excuses and start chasing his dream. What originally started as a book has evolved into a movement of dream catchers, where John and his community are tired of chasing their dreams and are now catching them. Through coaching, podcasting, books, speaking, and live events, he's able to initiate changes to transform businesses, relationships, and overall quality of life. He is also the author of the Amazon number one best-selling book, The Penance Author, and is working on his second book to be released later this year. Now, thanks to coronavirus, I've had to do a few online interviews, which I'm not a fan of, but there's only a few. I'm back to in-person interviews now, and I have some epic ones coming up, so keep an eye out for them. Now, over to John. John Bourgeois, welcome so much to the podcast. Dude, I am excited to be on. Thanks for having me on. You're our second American guest, I believe, so that's quite exciting. You, that's <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> um, so just before we get into some you know, fun content, just kind of about mindset and wherever we end up going, um, I just want to get a quick, you know, it's an overarching kind of bird's eye view of who you are and what you currently do for our audience. And also, what did you do after high school? So I'd love to know what you did after high school and what, what you're currently up to. Cool. Um, so let's let's start there after high school, and then I'll let you know uh, what I do, where I'm at, what I'm doing. Um, after high school, I went straight. I moved from a little island in the middle of the Pacific called Guam, which if you guys know where that is, it's four hours from Cairns. So Guam is actually a U.S. territory, but Australia is a lot closer to Guam than the U.S. is. So I actually moved from Guam down to Sydney, Australia, and I got into med school down there. And I had really good grades growing up, and that was my dream. My dream was to be able to help as many people as possible, but at the same time, let's go ahead and make some money doing it. So I thought the only way to do that was to be a doctor. And so I get into med school, and you know, truthfully, I, I say it this way, I say, if I had finished medical school, I'd be a doctor right now. Um, what I didn't realize was I didn't realize that I was squeamish with blood. Not a not a, a good doctor when you when you can't take the side of blood. And funny enough, I actually got kicked out of Australia 
And it was because of that. There's an 80, 20 rule where if you're not attending 80% of class, Australia will kick you out. So I get mm. kicked out of Australia. I was banned from Australia for three years, but. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know this is part of the story that you <laughs> don't know, but I figured why not? Let's go into this. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Oh, uh, so I get kicked out of Australia and we could touch base on the next bit, what I'm about to say, but I go through a massive depression because my entire identity was tied up into it. And uh, funny enough, and I'm so thankful that there was somebody else that had gotten kicked out of Australia that went, at, went ahead and actually took Australia to court. Well, when that happened, Australia went ahead and released everybody's visas back to them. I was able oh, to no get back into the country. And so I actually stayed in Australia, Sydney, for seven years. And then I moved from uh, Sydney, Australia, and I moved to the U.S. Never had lived in the U.S. before. And that's kind of where my career started. Uh, I got into the corporate world, um, was in the corporate world for about 15 years. Seven of that was seven years in the sales industry. And I was building training and leading leaders. I mean, at the height of my career, I was overseeing five states, 297 locations, traveling a bit, but I was hating myself. Honestly, mm. I was hating myself. And the real reason was, is I had pushed off a dream for over a decade and it was something that I truly, truly wanted to do. But every, I was listening to everybody else's voices and I was listening to my own limiting beliefs and I hadn't done. And uh, that kind of, I mean, we're going to fast forward real fast and then you can go wherever you want. That kind of takes me up to where we are now. Um, I am an author of an Amazon bestseller called The Penance Author. I'm a podcast host for a top-rated uh, podcast in the U.S. called The Dreamcatcher Show. Uh, I'm an investor, so I do very a lot of different sort of investments, whether it's real estate, day trade, stocks, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, that's where I am today. So we just went, we just fast forwarded real fast. <laughs> yeah, I love it, and it's it's such a it's such a classic story. I reckon, like going from doctor from a traditional thing, and now you're in sales. You know. You're doing really well, but yet you're not enjoying it. And now you're following your passion. Like it's quite a, you know, you often find people who are burnt out in sales will, you know, they'll be earning lots of money. They've probably got nice cars and everything. So from the outside, it looks like they're crushing it. But really they're like, as you mentioned, you, you, they're not enjoying life. And so that's, I guess, I guess that's probably why I assume you've named your podcast Dreamcatchers. So because you you went from, yeah, so you went from kind of not, not chasing a dream to chasing a dream or going to catch a dream and that's it that's you know one of the big reasons i want to bring you on was because of that and i think it'd be awesome to discuss um you going from med school and that kind of that period where you just got you lost med school you lost australia it's like bang bang you kind of lost your whole identity and then you know how did you deal with that we can discuss a bit about you mentioned briefly the reasoning you went to med school so you say it was you're interested in it and money. Is it a, they're the two main reasons? No, there was two. So, so let me tell you the dream. The dream has always been to be an author, an international best-selling author. So, I am an international New York Times best-selling author. My books are sought after; they're read across the globe. And key thing, they inspire others to go out and catch their dreams. Now, I'm not yet an international New York Times bestselling author. My book may <laughs> or may not be read around the globe yet, but I know who I am. 
back when I was a kid, I didn't know who I was. And so I allowed other people to filter their thoughts through my brain. And then I assumed that they were my own thoughts. So growing up, my, my grandmother, to answer your question, growing up, my grandmother was an English professor. But truthfully, her dream was to be an author. And she wrote several books that never got published. She passes away in 96. And then the family doesn't end up uh, actually publishing her work for two decades. Okay. Then I have my grandfather, who's a chemistry professor, who constantly is whispering in my ear, John, you need to be a doctor because I wanted to be a doctor. I never got the chance to be a doctor. Yes, this is good to hear. Yeah, exactly. So for me, I'm like, I'm looking up to my grandmother and I know that I want to help a lot of people, but I know that I also want to make a lot of money, right? I want to build a, a, a legacy for those to follow behind me, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. And- so I see my grandmother, I see what she is. I look up to her and I want to be an author. And then I get people telling me stuff like, John, you're way too energetic. There's no way you can sit still and write a book. Like, what are you thinking? You can't be an author. And then I get somebody else saying like, John, authors don't make any money until they're dead. So if you're looking to be wealthy, like author's not the right way. And so I then went ahead and went, well, if that's the case, and if the only way to help somebody is and to make money is a doctor, then I guess the, that's the route that I'm taking. And I had good enough grades to help me get into, you know, it's different than the U.S. In the U.S., you have to go four years of traditional school or uni. And then after the uni, four years of uni, then you have to have good enough grades in university to then transition into medical school. In Australia, or the way that it used to be, I don't know if it's still the case, but in Australia, if you get into medical school, it's seven years of medical school. The first four are your traditional courses. The rest of them are med. When you graduate those seven years, you're now a doctor. So when I went Mm. to Australia, I got into medical school and I realized this isn't who I am. Yeah, great. And so th- there's a few things here that will be cool to talk about. So number one, you felt like you, you felt kind of pressured to be a doctor because your grandfather or your, your older figures, parents, grandfather who wanted you to be a doctor. And we actually got the reasoning behind why they wanted you to be a doctor. So they wanted to be a doctor because they couldn't at the time. Well, my grandfather, and that's funny that you mentioned that. My grandfather wanted to be a doctor. My dad actually was a doctor. Okay. okay. So that He's adds on even an extra layer. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. But it's interesting seeing kind of just the psychology of what's going on in our parents or our grandparents' heads because, you know, that's fair enough. He didn't have the opportunity to be a doctor, so of course he wants the best opportunity for his grandson. But then we can kind of look at how the world changed since when he was, you know, 19 or 20 starting his degree. And since when you were 19 or 20 starting a degree, like there's, there's so many more options and, and pathways to take now than there was back in, you know, whenever he, he was starting school. Um, the, there was a few other things there. Um, so the money, obviously. And you, so you, you kind of knew you had an incl- inkling of what your passion was, but because it wasn't going to earn you enough money, you decided to go another path, which I think is very common because a lot of people will absolutely have a passion and be like, oh, but how do I survive off this? Which is fair enough. Like, you know, I'm not a huge like believer in lots and lots of money, but material things, but you need money, right? Absolutely. Like everything that I want to do, 
I'm going to need money for. Listen, mm. I want to travel the world. I want to open up restaurants. I want to open up speakeasies. I want to be able to fund other people's dreams. Mm. I want to be able to colonize and, and uh, explore Mars and have real estate in <laughs> Mars. I want to be a real estate tycoon. I want to be able to start a charity that gives away a home every single month to single parents and, and relieves the stress of where their kids and them are going to be able to live. Like those are all my dreams, but in order to get there, guess what you have to have money. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think it's great that people are kind of promoting this message of money is not everything because it's definitely not. But when you're making a decision of what you want to do, I do think that will impact it. And the thing I like to promote is thanks to technology, social media and everything nowadays, I truly believe whatever you are passionate about, you can find a way to make lots of money around it. It doesn't matter. Look at the two of us right now. Exactly. exactly. I'm in Seattle. You're in, is it the Gold Coast? Is that where you're in? Sydney, Sydney. Sydney, no, Sydney. Okay, so you're in Sydney. Oh, the Shire, that's right, right? Yeah, you're down in the yeah, Shire? Okay, right. sweet, sweet. Uh, yeah. So you're, you're in the Shire. I'm in Seattle, and yet we're being able to connect virtually on a podcast and be able to, like, when my grandfather was alive or, and when he was going through school, that wasn't possible. Oh, 100%. It's just the opportunity is so great and it's one of the biggest messages I like, I like to try to promote to people is opportunity. You know, I don't know if you've read Gary Vaynerchuk's latest book, um, but the entire book is basically just case studies of all these people who have made money doing what they want, want to do. And so it's a, it's a pretty fascinating book. He talks about kids who are making money on YouTube by cutting things open. That's their entire channel. They've got a knife and they cut things open. You know, there's people who there's like... This, you know, if you're if you're if you love elephants or something, how do you make money around elephants? Well, I could be a zoologist, and I might get forty thousand dollars a year as a keeper, or maybe you start on Instagram and you start posting all this content about elephants, and you start getting picked up, and you get start getting featured, and then suddenly David Attenborough is hosting a show, and he wants you on to talk about elephants, or whatever it is. There are ways to make money around whatever you're doing. Absolutely. I mean, Ninja's a perfect example. I don't know if you know exactly. who he is. Okay, yeah, perfect, yeah. perfect, perfect, perfect. Yeah, he's a perfect example, right? In, in most in most cases, uh, my parents, my grandparents, you know, even my peers would have said, "You never. There's no chance you can ever make money playing video games, mm, or good money at least. Good money. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, guess what? You can. So yeah. there's that. But. It's the same, you know, I think people have to treat video games like, you know, like football or soccer or sport. Like there's so many people who would, who want to be a professional, but only a few are going to make it. And so if you want to like, if you want to go all in, you kind of got to go all in because you're competing against people who are playing all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this is a perfect example. And that's just getting bigger and bigger. Like the opportunity to make money playing games is getting bigger and bigger. And it doesn't have to be through Twitch. You could be, you know, people are professional game testers and all those different things. You know, another great example I like. Another great example I like is um, I don't know if you've been in the Dungeons and Dragons world. No, so I haven't. I haven't. So, <laughs> so I, I'll tell you this. Uh, I am definitely a gamer through and through. Uh, I gave up that life for a little bit. I haven't gone back to it. I mean, right now, I, at the very most, I'll play Mario Kart. That's about it. But yeah, I do a lot of Call of Duty, Halo, uh, Counter Strike. Uh, what was the other one? Dota. Uh, League mm. of Legends, like all of those ones. But I, I love board games as well, but I've never gotten into Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. Yeah, so Dungeons & Dragons, 
uh, we've got uh, me and my mates have gone into the past two years, and I've got like one or two mates who are like hardcore into it. Like they they love it. They've got all the figures and the boards and everything. But the coolest thing is there's there's a group of people who are like the Dungeons and Dragons guys. So they've got a YouTube channel where they host like a show every single week. They have like a three hour episodes of them playing. Then they've got a store. You go to their store, they've got dice. You can buy dice for days. They've got like online stuff. They've got every book you can buy on there. You can buy stories and everything. Like they're, they're probably making an absolute fortune through Dungeons and Dragons. And it's because it's their passion. And so they got to live out their passion just doing, you know, create, you know, first of all, they get to play the game and people watch them play it and they get paid to do that. And then they sell everything on the back end. It's like, it's just, it's just crazy. Um, the people, what people we can go into that because I want to go into that a little bit, right? So here's what you have to understand first and foremost. And I want to say this to your audience. I also want to say it to any of our dream catchers that are listening as well, right? Here's what you have to understand. Passion initially does not pay. Oh, 100%. Like you need to understand that, right? And when you – like the amount of people that I interview that are dream catchers – the the thing that is common, a common thread is passion initially does not pay. Find your passion. I mean, Gary Vee even talks about it. Find your passion. Don't worry about the money, but you have to, if it is your passion and if you're going to do it, if you're going to give everything you got, you have to go all in because it is in the measurement of going all in that determines whether or not your passion will end up paying you. Mm. And it. Th- I'm I'm doing that exact right now. Like this this podcast and everything. I only launched it, you know, four months ago. Um, right now, I've got the studio set up. I'm paying for this room we're in. I'm paying for all the equipment. Like right now, I haven't made any money off the podcast. Like lit, like literally, because everything's being reinvested in. And it's like right now, it's just costing me. Mainly, it's costing me time because I've got to you know film the episode. I've got to line up guests. I've got to to I've got to edit each episode I've got to I create videos from each episode which cost me time and money so right now it's just costing me a lot of time but for me it's like you know I'm thinking two or three four five years for this that's like that's my plan and so for and it's right now I've got my business which is kind of bringing in the money so I've got those two things I feel like I got my business and I've got then I've got my passion and as you mentioned right now the passion isn't making money but hopefully in two years or whatever it'll start or even a year or something it'll start bringing in more money but I'm not doing it. I, if I didn't, I really wouldn't care. So, and I think that's a key measurement is what you just said right there, right? Because let's take my example with medical school, right? So medical school, there's not truthfully a passion in it. I'm good at, I was growing up, I was good at all your maths, all your sciences, biology, chemistry, calculus. Like I had advanced courses, all that sort of stuff. I was good at it. I was your honor student, but I was also highly ADHD. And mm. so- I could hyper-focus on the things that I wanted to focus on and you'd lose me if we, if you were talking about stuff that I didn't want to focus on. Right. But I was really, really intelligent so I could figure out the system and how to solve whatever I was in in the course. And that's why I got the grades that I wanted to get. Right. But with that said, you take a look at like medical school and wanting to be a doctor. You have to understand if you're going to pursue your passion, you have to go all in. And it has to be this mentality of no matter what, whether my passion ever ends up paying me or not, no matter what, I'm going to continue to pursue this. Mm. Because you have to understand in pursuing anything, you're going to have those obstacles. In pursuing anything, you're going to have those hurdles. In pursuing anything, you're going to have those setbacks. I love to look at it like this. Life is checking whether or not you're worthy of your calling. 
Mm, that's cool. Yeah. If you truly want to see your passion, see success with it, you have to persist through the obstacle and go all the way through and have this mentality, no matter what, I'm going to continue on. Because if you don't, what happened with me with medical school, I realized, ooh, blood, ooh, uh, yuck, uh. What's more important? Halo is. Okay, sweet. I'm going to get kicked <laughs> out of a country. You know what I mean? Like, like I was more passionate about Halo than I was about going ahead and pursuing medical school. And so when the going got tough, guess what I dropped? I dropped what I wasn't passionate about. Exactly. And guess what? For anyone out there, if you're – imagine you're a medical, medical school or any – any course and you're not passionate about it you're you're up going up against the people who are passionate about it exactly exactly that's such a good point that is and you such can't a compete point. with that you can't compete with that it doesn't matter how hard you work if someone is incredibly passionate about this course and hopefully you know most people are i've got you know one of my closest friends is an engineer and she's she loves it she loves the math she loves you know all that sort of stuff you can't compete with that it doesn't matter how naturally smart you are and let me ask you this. Let's, let's go down the engineer road. Let's go down doctor road. Let's even go down an architect road. Road. Who do you want operating on you on the table? Exactly. Somebody that's passionate or not passionate. Somebody that's like, oh, I'm just getting paid to be here. Or somebody that's like, I love this. I, I'm so glad that my hands are here. Like, I'm so glad I'm being able to save this life. Who do you want building your business, uh, your, your building? Somebody who's passionate about building buildings or somebody who's just showing up for a paycheck? Who do you yeah. want engineering, your plane, your car, any of those things? Somebody who is highly passionate, loves it no matter what, or somebody who's not and just showing up for that paycheck, they got the degree, so on. Exactly. And you can tell. Like you can tell if someone's passionate or if they're not. You might not think that, but you can feel it. And this isn't like some woo-wah stuff. As soon as if someone's passionate, it, it comes through their voice and the way they talk and the way they move. And, you know, they'll start getting an architect, a passionate architect will, you know, see this as an opportunity and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I get to create a whole new building. I get to get creative. I can, oh, what if we did this? What if we did this sort of thing? And then the engineer's there to keep them in check and say, no, we can't do that. But I love your ideas. What if we did this instead? Because that's not structurally feasible. But yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, that's a point I like to bring across, you know, you just can't compete with people who are passionate. You, so you dropped out of med school. So before you go past that, I, I want to disagree with you on that. I hope you're okay with that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's hear it. I think you can compete with people that are passionate. But at some point, you have to learn the passion. Like I think passion can be learned. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I before I dropped out of medical school, consistency was not something that I was passionate about. I have learned how important showing up, keeping the promises that I've made myself mm. and being consistent is so much so that I've become passionate about it. And now if I see somebody who is not consistent, it's the polar opposite because I'm highly compassionate. Uh, I'm highly passionate about it and they're not. So I think, I think going back to your point, I think if you're competing with, against somebody that's passionate, you need to understand they've got a leg up on you. And if it's truly yeah. a dream of yours, then you better get passionate about it and figure out how to become passionate about it. And this kind of goes to the question of, it's such a hard question. It's such a hard, it's such a difficult position to be in for someone who's in uni or college or whatever. 
and they're thinking they might not be passionate about it is like if they're half a year in or they're a year in and they go i'm not passionate about it or have i not built the passion yet do i drop out because i'm clearly not passionate or do i keep sticking through and become passionate and it's such a hard question because it's like obviously so i think i think you have to you personally have to dive deeper it's not about your uni degree. It's not about how much time you've put into it. It's not about what everybody else has told you that you need to do or don't need to do. Mm. You need to ask yourself why you're doing it. Why am I here? Mm. And then when you answer, because what you need to understand about science, now you're about to get, guys, you're about to get medical schooled right here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what you need to understand about science, I mean, about your brain is that your brain is made up of two different parts. Your, your brain is made up of the very analytical side and your brain is also made up of the very creative and it yes. tends to be more the side that is your emotion as well as that subconscious, right? So when you ask why, your brain's going to immediately, any question you ever give your brain, it's going to immediately try to answer. Okay. That's the beautiful thing about questions. And what you'll learn with successful people is they just ask better questions than you do. Plain and simple. That's why they're mm. successful. So when you ask why your brain will give you an immediate left brain answer. Well, I'm supposed to do this. So let's take my past. I'm supposed to do this because I want to help people and, and I want to make a lot of money. Okay. Love that. Why do you want to help people? And then you go a little bit deeper. By about the third answer, you've left your left brain and now you're moving over into your right brain and mm. you're starting to dive even deeper. This is a great sales tactic as well. If you ask somebody reason three, uh, if you ask them why three different times, you're going to find that by the third, fourth, even if you, if you can get to seven whys, that's their real reason for why they wanted. Mm. Why? Why? What? Why? Exactly. Why? Exactly. And recap, not, not saying it like a kid. Cause I'll, oh, slap, yeah, yeah, that a kid. Was just, I'll slap a kid course. any day of the yeah, week yeah, yeah. if they did that to me, <laughs> but, but recapping, and this is even doing it with yourself, right? So you're in university. You're like, I'm not passionate about this. Do I need to find the passion or do I need to drop out? Well, why am I doing this degree? Well, I'm doing this degree because my parents told me to, well, why am I trying to do what my parents told me? Well, I've never felt supported by my parents. I feel like uh, I've always been trying to make them be proud. I got that. So why am I trying to make them be proud? Because truthfully, I'm not proud of myself. And I haven't ever been able to prove to myself that I can consistently do anything. Why haven't you been able to prove to yourself? Well, I've had an underlining issue of I'm unworthy. I'm not good enough. You see how mm. far down I'm now starting to get? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're only four you, in. Yeah, that's right. And when you start to now ask yourself those questions, you'll begin to feel the tingles. You'll begin to feel the emotions. In some cases, I've done this with some of my clients. I've done this with just some of my peers where it's just like, go six levels of why. And by the sixth or seventh, you're starting to cry because you're getting down to your real true emotional reason for being there. If you get from the top down to the bottom and at the bottom, it's like, I want to be a doctor because, and you have enough reason why, guess what you now get to hold on to? You get to now hold on to that. So when the going mm. gets tough, when you flunked out of a university, when you got kicked out of a country, when you're sent back to, your, back to the island that you never wanted to live on again, when you're separated from your fiance at the time, when you're moving back into your parents, if your why is really truthfully to be a doctor, 
and you can pull on all the reasons why, then it just, it will power you through all of that obstacle. Hmm. But if it's not there, if that wasn't the real reason, the real reason why I wanted to be a doctor was because I wanted to try to help as many people as possible. That's the real reason why. So Hmm. now you ask yourself, well, is being a doctor the only way to help a large scale of people? And Mm. if your brain wants to automatically say, well, yes, it is, then I want you to play devil's advocate. And I want you to try to find as many possible people that go against what you said. So was Mother Teresa a doctor? Was Barack Obama? Yeah, Tony Robbins. Was he a doctor? Uh, was Barack Obama was, and I want you to go down a list of people that you can find that were not what you're trying to say is the only way to do it. I.e., I'll give you one of my limiting beliefs that I had to get over that I heard from a young kid's life. Right. Remember I'm an international New York times bestselling author, but authors don't make money until they're dead. Well, let me Mm. think about that. Is that correct? Or is that a belief that I've allowed to be imposed on me and I've just accepted it? Well, let me think about it. Holy crap, Harry Potter. Wow, that's the (laughs) first billionaire to ever be uh, an author and be a billionaire. J.K. Rowling did it. Okay, well, what what about Stephen King? I mean, he's not a billionaire, but he's very wealthy as well. And he's written books. Do you see what I mean? Like now I'm going against what my limiting belief is. And now I can start to say, got it. I can't go after my passion. And this is like, you know, Simon Sinek, start with why. This is kind of that, that, that whole thing. A great, one of my favorite examples, just to reinforce what you just said. Do you know, you know, Ed Milet? I do. He's one of my mentors. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So he's, I, I follow him online. He's awesome. I think he's really cool. But a story he tells quite often is the whole kind of reason he got into getting fit. You know, he went to the doctor one day. And he was overweight and he had like high cholesterol and stuff. And the doctor, you know, did some tests. And instead of saying to him, hey, listen, you've only, you know, if you, if you keep up with this, if you keep up with this lifestyle, you've probably only got another 10, 15 years in you. Instead of saying that, the doctor said, do you want to see your daughter? Do you want to walk your, your, walk your daughter down the aisle on a wedding day? And he went, oh my God, um, of course, doctor, of course I want to do that. And he said, well, if you, if you continue with this lifestyle, that's probably not going to happen. And so now his wife is staying healthy is that he can walk his daughter down the aisle on, on a wedding day. And that's uh, every time he wakes up and every time he's going, oh, do I want to get up? Do I want to go gym? Do I want to, you know, eat healthy, whatever it is, it links back to his, you know, rock solid why of I want to be there for my family. I want to walk my daughter down the aisle. And so I think that's a great, you know, perfect example of kind of linking your why. And if, it, if it's strong enough, if it's strong enough, and it's hard, you know, we're making it sound easy. It's hard to figure out what your why is, you know, most people don't know. And I think we also make an excuse for stopping to do the tough, shitty things Yeah, because we want to say that it's not attached to our why. When the truth is we haven't gone all in, we haven't hedged all the bets on ourselves. The truth is that we aren't a hundred percent committed to our uh, why or sorry, to our passion. And so we want to make an excuse for why we shouldn't be doing it. Mm. See, if we were to fast forward and go now, okay, John, give us a story. You're now in America. 
the reason I got into 15 years of the corporate ladder was because I was a writer and I loved writing. Man, you want to lose me in a time? Put me writing, but not nonfiction. Put me writing Harry Potter's. Put me writing Lord of the Rings. Put me writing that sort of stuff, right? You will, I will get lost, right? Mm, yeah. Even when I'm talking creative about stuff. it. Exactly. That's your, get, that's your creative that's, thing. That's exactly correct. And I'll get lost. But I would start chapters. I would start books, three, four chapters, five chapters in. And then would stop when I hit a first writer's block, which every writer will tell you that's a common thing. I would Mm. stop and I would go, ah, man, I can't do this because this isn't going to afford me money. And I've got to have this big group. And how am I going to go ahead and publish it? And how am I going to edit it? Well, maybe I just, maybe I don't have a big enough why. So, you know what, let's, let's go after the new title at my job. Or let's try to be a VP of sales or let's try to be a regional operations manager. And I was good at that stuff. So that's the stuff that I would chase because it was easy to come to me when you're pursuing and going back to the same point we just said, when you're pursuing your purpose, it's not going to be easy. And you have to pull on. I understand that sometimes I'm going to have to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to have to put in the hard work and I'm just going to have to get down to the, like the, the nitty gritty, disgusting crap. And I'm going to have to do that. Yeah. My book that I wrote 10 years later, I physically wrote it. So I took a pen and a piece of paper and I wrote it in a notebook, right? I learned consistency, which meant I got fed up when my grandfather, who was the one that told me about becoming a doctor, when he finally passed away and we finally published my grandmother's books, I came to a realization. I said, are you going to continue to say, I'm going to get this dream eventually, someday, maybe when everything is lined in stone yeah, and the stars are everything all aligned perfectly. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or are we just going to do it right now? And so I made the decision, you know what? I'm going to write every single day for 20 minutes. I got through half, halfway through my physical book that I'm writing. I got through halfway through it. And on my birthday, the car gets broken into my bag with only my pen and my first edition gets stolen. And it's gone. No way. And I searched for hours for hoping and praying that they had dumped out the contents because that's all I wanted. I didn't want the bag. I didn't care. Yeah, he cares just about gave my book back. Yeah. And mm. I remember sitting in the coffee shop a couple days later. And I remember going, if I was supposed to write this book, if this was supposed to be in people's hands, why the heck is it this hard to do? I don't mm. want to do this. This is horrible. This is the worst thing ever. Like, this isn't fair. It was on my birthday. And I said, no, you made a commitment to yourself, not to anybody else who cares about anybody else. You made a commitment to yourself that you were going to do this until it was done. It's time to show up. We wouldn't even be talking had my book not been finished because it was my book that catapulted me to have conversations with other dream catchers and find them, surround with them, listen to them, learn from them. Like my show would never have gotten started had my book not been finished. Mm, Which is a great point because this happens 
I mean, it's happened to me, you know, every time. And it's always a bit cliche, but often the biggest failures are your, you know, some of the most important parts of your life because they trigger something to happen or they trigger you to start changing something. And you know, that's, first of all, that's a fantastic story. Like you're, you can see you've been in sales. You're very good at telling stories, like the pauses and everything. And well, uh, that, that, but also the fact that I'm a writer. So I know yeah, how to add I mean, color the, into it and everything. I mean, the combination, you can see, I was just like, I forgot I was interviewing to, to you for a second. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that was fantastic for, for starters. Um, but going into this, you know, you're, you're spot on the money there where it's like, oh, I, I just want to wait until the stars align. Or, and obviously that's a hyperbole, because, but people are always waiting for like, oh, I'll wait until next month when my, my paycheck comes through. I'll wait until this. I'll wait until, I'll wait until you know, my parents can do this. I'll wait until I'm 18. I'll wait until I've moved out of home or I'll, I'll wait until whatever it is, right? And, that's, and that almost never comes. Because they just they just keep waiting, they just keep waiting, they just keep waiting, they just keep waiting. Listen, listen to me tell you this, okay? Seventeen is when I started uh, medical school, and thirty four is when I published my book. Mm. And you wanted to years, publish a book from seventeen? No, I wanted to publish a book since ninety six, man. When yeah, I was a I kid, so. but yeah. kids don't publish books. Of course. Who's going to read a kid's book? Who, mm. Who's going to read some, a kid author? Limiting belief right there. Exactly. Right? And yeah. so what happened was, is the reason I got into the corporate world was because I kept, okay, when I've got this title, okay, when I've got this car, okay, when I've got this in my bank account, when I've got this size house, when I've got this and this and this and this and this, mm. I kept setting myself up for that someday, someday never comes. It's time to start today. There is no someday on the calendar. It's time to start today. Like if you're going to go after your dreams, you have to understand it's not going to be perfect. If I'm flying from Seattle down to Sydney, it doesn't matter whether I swim, whether I fly, whether I jump on a boat, whether I teleport. It's the same length of journey, and I have to start it. It doesn't matter if I start it today or if I start yeah. it you know, at the end of 2020. I've still got to start it and then do the exact same journey. So if the journey is the same and the time is irrelevant because it doesn't matter if I'm going to go to Sydney – then I have to cover those miles or those kilometers, then stop pushing it off to a time that's never going to happen. The truth is, the real truth is if you're procrastinating, mm. if you're waiting for the perfect moment, the truth is you, don't have, you haven't tapped in to your real reason for why you're doing it. And truthfully, it may or may not be your passion. That's where you discover whether or not, you know, You've got a big enough why. And then at some point, you just have to say, I'm going to start. I'm going to jump. I'm going to see if I, can, if I can build a parachute on the way down. I wrote, I wrote, I wrote my book with a pen and a piece of paper because that's all I had at the time. I started the Dreamcatcher show with my iPhone, a tripod, and AirPods. Because I wanted to make it a habit that we start with imperfection and then we learn along the way 
we grow along the way. We don't wait per, for perfection to happen because it never happens. So we just jump mm. and we figure out if we can fly. And that's almost what, you know, most entrepreneurs will agree with you on that. That's what kind of makes an entrepreneur. I think someone, you know, the, the analogy of jumping off the cliff and building your plane on the way down or building your parachute on the way down. I was the exact same in my podcast. Like I, I set up the studio and everything, but and I spent so long preparing for it. It got to a point where I was like, I just got to launch this. Like I don't have, I don't have a marketing plan. I don't have anything like that. I don't have time to do some everything I want to do. I just want to get episodes out there. I just want to start that momentum. And I think momentum is a great word for what we're talking about. Because if you just start, sure, you're going to start off slow. But imagine if you've been writing 20 minutes a day since you were 17. Imagine how many books you would have written. Like you would have written, and half of them might be rubbish, but at least you've learned so much from writing them that you've now got one that's amazing. And so I think it's momentum because um, you just get that, you get in that flow, just get started. Exactly. I'm, I'm not a perfectionist at all, so I 100% agree with this. But there is an element of, you know, don't get, I think you should still be prepared to a degree. But don't get caught up in the whole, oh, I've got to, I've just got to, you know, into, until this, until this, until this, until this, because everyone does it. I do it. I'm sure you've done it. And Absolutely. Just, and, 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 just, and to just, your point, like, and I just, it's funny that we're even having this conversation. I just got off of uh, interviewing somebody on, on the Dreamcatcher show. And there's a book, I haven't read it. I'm going to be purchasing it. It's called The Four Agreements. Okay. It's going back to when we talk about Ed Milet, he talks about this all the time, but if your passion, if you're calling, if you're supposed to be an author, then show up, do the best that you personally can on the day and be consistent at it. Because <laughs> if you publish a That's book it. and it's quote unquote rubbish, it's not rubbish. It's only rubbish to somebody else's opinion. But that opinion doesn't matter because you showed up. You did what you said you were going to do. You delivered what you thought and said you wanted to do. And therefore, you're continuously getting better. Mm. Eventually, mm. if you continue to show up, you'll, you'll hit a home run. And chances are your first book, first book will be rubbish. And maybe a second one, and maybe a third one, and a fourth one. But... As I mentioned before, you're going to learn so much from those. Once you hit your sixth or seventh, bang, then you've got your Harry Potter, or then you've got your, you know, your New York Times. Or it can be, or it can be the reverse. Like, mm. so let me put it this way: uh, Are you familiar with uh, uh, the Alchemist? Yep. Okay, one of my favorite books. One of my favorite books. Um, and the author's story is absolutely gorgeous. His first book sold, I think. <laughs> The first year sold like one or two copies. Okay. Mm. So his first book is The Alchemist. That was his first book. Sold one or two copies. The publisher, the first publisher, pulls it from the shelf, says, this is rubbish. We're not doing this. Second person picks it up. Or second uh, publisher picks it up. And they publish it. But now they're putting basically a lien on the book of, hey, if it doesn't sell this amount of copies, like you owe us money, that type of stuff, right? And this book is now 25, 26 years running. It's one of those books that Oprah, Will Smith, like Tony Robbins, they talk about, they refer to on yeah. a regular basis. But had he stopped writing? So he wrote a book that was 
you know, maybe way before it's time, but he wrote his best book possible. He put it into the books. He did it. The first two years show, oh, this isn't a good book, but he continues to keep writing even because that says, oh, it's not that good of a book, but it actually was. It just needed more time to marinate and get into the right hands before it actually saw the success it needed to see. I didn't know. I didn't know that because I've, I've read that book and it is like, it's one of those books that's like, you know, it's kind of like how to win friends and influence people. Like it's, you know, there's a lot of books that will only be relevant for this kind of period, but that's the sort of book that's like just, you know, it's always going to be world-class content. And I, I know, I, I just, you know, having read the book, knowing the success, I just assumed he was some big shot who published it. And then it just, you know, went off just like, I had no idea. I only had one or two copies. So that's, yeah, that's a great point. And it's just, yeah, the word you use there was consistency. It's just being consistent, building that momentum, and um, and you'll and you'll start you start to see stuff happen. There's a um, I remember you know I saw a graph, and this is not like you know like scientific or official or anything, but people, someone was like you know this graph. If you imagine a graph, it's just like a straight line, slowly going up and up and up, and that's how people think life is. I just slowly get better and better and better, but really what they say it is, it's like nothing, 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 and then it goes big curve at the end. And so everyone's working, working, working. And most people give up before the curve, before they get that big spike and the big jump because they think they haven't made it. But the people who make it are the ones who just keep going, just keep going, consistent, consistent, consistent. And then they meet someone and then it gets in the right publisher's hands and bang, it blows up or whatever it is. And so that's how I try to visualize kind of life right now. Whenever you don't start seeing success, you're like, okay, I'm working towards that curve. I'm almost at the curve or, you know, just, just understand that it's not yeah, like gradual. Absolutely. And are you are you familiar at all with J.K. Rowling's uh, story? Uh, her personal story. Her personal story. Roughly, I know she had some stuff go on. So, single mother, on welfare. Twelve publishers tell her that Harry Potter is rubbish. Mm, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's hard to believe, isn't it? <laughs> Twelve. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, the the board game Monopoly had the same problem with it. Yeah. But you got to understand the woman found her passion. She knew her why. And she went all in on herself. And she was not willing to give up no matter what. Plain and simple. And so that's what helped mm. her persist through 12 publishers, which what didn't help me pursue through medical school. You see the contrast? Yeah. Like my, exactly. And, and, and the same thing with the why and then understanding, okay, it's not like the going back to the graph that you were talking about. It's not necessarily ever going to be easy until it is. Mm. And so I'm going to persist until it's like, oh, wow, John, we always thought you were a sure thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You did. Yeah. 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 Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Anyways, before we wrap this up, this has been an amazing conversation. Loving I've it. Loved it. I've absolutely. Loved I, I like to like to ask um, all my guests this similar question, and you know, often you've probably already answered it, but we'll just you know bring it together. What would be your number one piece of advice for the younger generation? If we're talking people who are you know just finishing high school, they're going into college, going to uni, that sort of that sort of age group. What would your number one piece of advice be for them? My number one piece of advice would be the advice that if I could go back and chat with my 17-year-old self, it would be the exact same thing. Mm. And that piece of advice would be 
start now. You know, you truly know what you want to do. Stop listening to everything else, including those limiting beliefs in your own head. Start now. Understand it's not going to be easy. You're, you're going to jump and you're going to fall on your face more times than not. But continue through and through until you do find the success, until you mm. do find the win, until your book becomes an international New York Times bestselling book, until your, your book is read across the globe, until it does truly inspire others to catch their dreams. Continue and start now and continue to go after it until all of that happens. That's what I'd say. Love it. John Bourgeois, thank you so much for coming on the show. And where can we, anyone who wants to learn more about you, learn about your show, your book, follow you online, where's the best place that we can find you? The best, absolute best place would be Jump on the Dreamcatcher show. Uh, that's going to be on any sort of pop, uh, podcast platform that you can find. Um, if you're wanting to connect with me directly, like, guys, listen, if you're a Dreamcatcher, you hear this and you're like, gosh, man, I resonate with John so much like, and you haven't started your dream, well, then I want to find out what's going on. Let's chat. If you're right mm. in the middle of things, right, and, like, you're either hyper-energized because you're going after your dream or you're, you're dead in the dark and going, man, I can't, I can't get past this moment, but I'm trying to pursue my dreams. Or even if you're at the end of one dream, wrapped it up, and now you're like, now what do I do? If that's you, and you want to connect, I want to hear about your dream. I want to hear how I can help you. Reach out to me on any social media platform. It's going to be John C. Bourgeois. I'm very mm. active. I will respond back as quickly as I possibly can. Um, but yeah, I'd love to I'd be love to be able to connect with another dream catcher. Awesome. So guys, whatever platform you're on right now, go subscribe to Dreamcatchers. And I think Instagram's probably a good one. All his links will be in the show notes, so you can just click on there and we'll link you to them. But otherwise, John Bourgeois, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, man. All right. If you are still here, thank you so much for listening to this entire episode. If you got some value out of it, it would mean the world to me if you left a review on iTunes or shared it with your friends or family. Otherwise, I'll be putting up videos of this episode on Instagram and Facebook. So check it out there at Byron Dempsey or at Driven Young Podcast. And I'll see you on the next one.